Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Dr. David Bianchin. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 through 3 and 6 through 9, which you'll find in the Old Testament section of your pew Bibles, beginning on page 704 or on the screen. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us. Amid all the changing words of our generation, speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight, delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest of your fast, on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. This is the word of the Lord. It is a delight to be with you again this morning. I always feel, as uh, one of my friends this morning said, like I'm coming home when I see you. I was also glad when uh, Tassie, by the way, thank you, Tassie, for the invitation. I so much appreciate that. So we weren't using the, the pulpit. I was actually kind of glad. I used to have a, a, a habit of kind of jumping into the pulpit. And one of the times, the anchors were not down, and the pulpit itself was heading toward the steps. I thought, I'm going down. <laughs> Just, but it uh, didn't work out that way. One of the important concepts in Scripture is the concept in, encased in the word shalom. And shalom is usually translated as peace, but it means much more than that. It also means wholeness, a sense of well-being. And so when we are living in, in a sense of shalom, life is going pretty well. It doesn't mean everything's perfect, but it means that, that God is guiding us through things in such a way that we can handle them. We're conscious of the presence of God around us. When we're not living that way, life can be difficult. I don't know about you, but whenever I face uh, times or seasons of challenge, one of the questions I ask myself is, what resources do I have to meet this challenge? 
Uh, I, I'm a woodworking guy, and so one of the real questions I ask is, what tools do I have to cope with the challenges and the things that are happening right now? When Tassie asked me to speak in terms of this series, The Bible is Medicine, The Bible is Medicine, uh, that was a uh, subject and is a subject very near and dear to my heart these days because all through the fall I had a really difficult time and I was looking for medicine for that. Uh, three and a half years ago, two weeks into COVID, I was riding my bicycle in the late afternoon in Downers Grove and I was hit by a car. And, and I was sent flying unconscious. I had a, a concussion. I fractured a number of ribs and apparently I landed on my shoulder because I had a badly separated shoulder. Now, the first thing I have to say is, Thank the Lord that I survived it. A lot of people I know don't. I'm mindful of that, kind of giving a, being given a second chapter uh, in that way. But in the healing from all that, there were several things that, that happened. The first thing was I, I had all these limitations because I couldn't move things around. And I, so I finally decided, you know, I need to do something about this. And so on October 3rd of this last year, just a few months ago, um, the, the ribs had healed, the concussion had pretty much healed. Ask my wife whether I'm still rational or not. Um, but my shoulder, there was nothing I could do about. There was no, no way I could rehabilitate that on my own. And so I went into surgery on October 3rd in order to fix the shoulder. Now, the shoulder surgery seemed to go really well. I'm still, um, still recovering from that, although I, I've got my charismatic possibilities back because I can raise my hand up a little bit now in that way. But two weeks after the surgery, I developed an intense pain in my lower left side in the back and went to the hospital about that and they determined that I had a blood clot in my lung. Now that's pretty scary. You know, not, not having one arm is, is one thing, but to think about what could happen with that brought out a lot of fear because of that. And if that wasn't enough, that was addressed and, and it's still being addressed. I'm thankful to tell you that the clot is gone now. But three weeks after the clot, I developed vertigo. And I developed a sort of vertigo that doesn't come and go. I mean, I had to hang onto the wall for everything. I was always listing in this way. And for three solid weeks, the world was upside down. I mean, I just couldn't do anything. Couldn't drive, couldn't walk, couldn't read. Kind of a boring time in that way. Eventually, the Lord in his grace healed me out of that and I haven't had any problems with that for some time as well. But during that time, I asked the question, what tools do I have? What do I have available to me to make it through this time, to make it through the sense of limitations, through the sense of fear, and through the sense of confusion, even distortion of the world around me? What tools do you have when you're facing challenges? What medicine do you take to help you overcome those things? I don't think we can turn to the world generally for that. Uh, the world brings us confusion and, and leads us in ways that are not God's ways. Uh, it just bugs me to no end anymore that when I stand in the line at Jewel, there's a screen in front of me. When I pump gas, there's a screen in front of me. When I'm looking at something on the internet, there's pop-ups. So there's this, these influences that are coming at me which are not leading me in closer in my relationship with God. So where do I go? Well, you know the answer to that. We go to God's word. And so I wanna speak this morning about four ways that I think the Bible is medicine for us. These are more general. I, I love Tassie, the specifics that she used this morning in the children's time. So it's up to you to, to continue to work through that and, and to find those. But the Bible gives to us four things. It gives to us clarity. It gives to us comfort. It leads us into community. 
and it leads us into our relationship deeper with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we think about clarity, uh, we remember that this draws out initially of the, of the well of the covenant that God made with his people. I will be your God, and you will be my people. And then in order to help guide that, God gave the commandments. But the commandments grow out of the relational, the covenant. And so we, never need, to, we need to never forget that, that they're not just things we're supposed to do, but they're things we do in order to honor the covenant with God and also because God wants us to live within certain boundaries that are good for us and for other people. If we just live any way that we want to, it's not only unhealthy for us, but we bump into other people in that way and we don't do the right thing for them as well. But the commandments are important because the first three commandments remind us that only God is God. You shall have no other gods before me. But remember that in my divinity, God says, I rescued you from slavery. The fourth commandment, the commandment about keeping Sabbath, reminds, me that, reminds us that we need balance in our lives, that, that we need to know that there's a, there's a time to not only rest physically, but to take the time to reflect upon who we are. And when we do that, that's good for us. And it's good for people around us as well. Matter of fact, the fourth commandment talks about how when you and I keep Sabbath, it benefits everyone in our household, everyone we do business with, everyone we run into, the sojourner within your gates. And then there's the, the fifth commandment to honor our father and mother, keeping that important. And then the last five commandments remind us of things we're not supposed to do. We're not supposed to murder, commit adultery, bear false witness, covet, things like that. And when you turn those around and think about them in terms of the positive things, it means we're to be life-giving people. We're to be people who encourage life, who encourage fidelity in relationships, who speak the truth simply, and who enjoy what God has given us without having to envy other people or covet what they have. So God is making plain to us those boundaries because it makes our lives clear. Does it address every single question I'm going to ask this week? Probably not, in the sense that God's not gonna tell me where to go this way and, and God's not necessarily gonna tell me what to do in terms of making this decision, but the principles are there. The principles, the boundaries are there, and within those boundaries, we are free, completely free. Think back with me to your um, college and even high school years getting toward that final exam. And I remember in college I had some professors who would say, you can prepare for the final by just remembering everything I told you over the last 12 weeks. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but I had another professor, and Dr. Sayre said to us, on your final exam, you're going to have three things. You're going to have some questions of geography, because I want you to know where things happened in American history. You're going to have identification, small identification questions, so I know that you know the, the important things that were happening on a broader scale. Then you're going to have an essay question so that you can integrate that into your understanding of what was happening in our country. And then he said, if you want to really prepare for this, go to the library, and there's a file behind the desk there, and that file has about the last seven or eight final exams that I've given. And if you go look at that, you'll see the things that I'm looking for. And so I did. <laughs> and, and I noticed that, that he had a limited number of things geographically, a limited number of things to identify, and a limited number of things he was wanting us to integrate in the longer essay. And what he was communicating to me was, there are several really important things that you need to know. And if you know these, 
In my estimation, he says, you will have mastered the class and you'll be able to move on from there. And I feel like the, the commandments and the scriptures which tell us what to do in our lives are like that. God is not playing hide and seek with us. God wants things to be clear for us. And in that clarity, we find our boundaries, we find life-giving. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. God has laid out for us the medicine we need to have clarity about who we are in the world, who God is, and how we're to live our lives. So the Bible brings us clarity. The Bible is medicine also in that it brings us comfort. Um, many of us, and all of us at some time, go to the scriptures in order to be comforted because it's a scary place sometimes, this, this earth we live in. Things are changing in our society. We've got elections coming up. No matter what you think about the political candidates, uh, I'm not so sure I'm happy about how it's all gonna work out. We'll see, we'll see. So we have fears that we deal with on a daily basis. And we have those larger things, that the big decisions that we need to make, uh, the illnesses that we have to deal with, the death and loss of people who are close to us. In the midst of our fears, we need to know that God's comfort is there for us. We've just um, gone through the Christmas season not too long ago, and we've sung many songs which talk about Emmanuel, which as you know means God with us. So God brings us comfort through his word because God is not only with us, God is for us. God wants us to have the peace of Christ, Jesus says, that passes all understanding. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give to you. And listen to the contrast. I do not give as the world gives. So let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And it reminds us also of that great verse in Psalm 23. And the NRSV uh, translates it, even though I'd walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It's also translated in some of the other and older versions, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So whether it's a dark valley we're living in right now, or it's the valley of the shadow of death in which we are either facing loss, loss of our own life, or the loss of other people, this is God's comfort for us. This was important for me this week. Um, last Sunday night, one of my best and oldest friends uh, went to bed and on Monday morning he didn't wake up. And it, it's, I've had a hard time dealing with it. It's just, I'm just numb about this. He's, again, one of my oldest and best friends. So I'm walking through a dark valley right now. But knowing that God is with me comforts me. Knowing that Rick is with Jesus gives me great comfort and his family as well. So the Bible is medicine because it, need, it reminds us that in this world where everything is going crazy around us and there's nothing we can rely on as a firm foundation, Yea, though I walk through the valley, valley of the shadow of death, or the darkest valley, David says, I know that you are with me. And he is with you. And he is with me. And that's medicine that we need because we're in confusion and we're in grief and we're in fear a lot in our lives. And God meets us in the midst of it. So the Bible is medicine because it brings us clarity and it brings us comfort. But it, it's important because it also leads us now into community. 
God never expected that we would do this alone. I have a, a colleague who used to say, and I appreciate it very much, that our faith is personal, but it's not private. That God brings us into the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is more than just a concept. It's a reality. It's, it's not only a functional thing in terms of how the church gets its work done. It's a reminder that in the family of faith, we need to lean on one another. We need to be there for one another. God has provided that for us. We can't serve the world adequately without each other. We can't comfort people in the world without each other. We obviously can't learn without being together. And anytime we're in a small group or in a class, I see there are some classes starting today. I would invite you, if you haven't signed up, to be part of that. We help each other as we interpret how scripture is relating to us today. And your story encourages me. And sometimes your story challenges me. But in either case, when we are together in that way, not only where two or three are gathered is Jesus among us, but in the body of Christ, we round out our experience. Paul told the church in Galatia, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's a comforting thing that we bring to each other. And the, letter, the writer to the letter of Hebrews said, let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. So both of those things are important in terms of our relationship with one another in community. That Christ is in the midst of us, guiding us. He has sent his Holy Spirit to guide us through these things. But he's provided brothers and sisters around us to help us in that way. So if you're not part of a small group, I encourage it. If you're not part of a, part of a Sunday school class, I encourage it. There are many ways that we need to grow because we get discouraged and we freeze. Or we're ignorant about something and we don't know where to go. And when we are with one another, it helps us to grow, to love, to good deeds, to the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we also hear the burdens that we each have. And we can bear them when we know them. So the Bible gives us Clarity and comfort leads us into community. Most importantly, of course, the Bible leads us to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. There's nothing that makes sense in this world apart from Jesus Christ. And as you read through the scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament, they all point to him. Uh, we read a passage from Isaiah today. Isaiah's pointing toward Jesus Christ. The law and the prophets all point to their fulfillment in him. And so, in Jesus, he is the big answer to our pleas. He is the one who, who creates these relationships. He's the one who brings us into this family of faith. Jesus said that he came for a purpose. And the purpose he said was this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then he said later on, the son of man, speaking of himself, came to seek and to save the lost. So everything points to him and a relationship with him. And in that relationship, in him, we live and we move and we have our being. We find our fulfillment. We find the clarity that we need. We find the comfort that we need. We thrive then in community as we help one another. And we honor him then with our lives. One of the tools that that I have thought about through the years has been how the words that we use affect us. I was thinking of my friend Rick, who I mentioned who passed away this week, and he was a dear, dear, wonderful guy. But one of the things that I just 
didn't like about Rick was that I could never beat him in Boggle. You ever heard of the game Boggle? So this is, this is Boggle, and I won't, I won't dump the things out, but there are a bunch of dice, and on the dice there are each letters. And so what you do is you, in the game, you, you shake it around like that, and you, and you put them back in, and when they're all in their place, you set a timer, and you look for words from the letters that are all adjacent to one another. Now, if you see X, Y, and Z, that's not a word. But if you see A-R-T, that's art, that's a word. And so what you're having to do is discern what is there in the midst of all these random things. It's an exercise, if you will, in making sense out of chaos. There are words that just, that just don't work. Uh, R is here, there's nothing else that works for me there right now. But it's also an exercise discerning truth from confusion. And God has provided for us his word as medicine for us to give us clarity, to give us comfort, to help us thrive in community, and then to point to him. The final verse that we read this morning, that Dave read for us, was this, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. When Jesus left the disciples just before he was ascended into heaven, he said, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I invite you as you think about the tools you have to, to come to this wonderful tool. It will, it will help you know your, your proper limitations. It will meet you in the midst of your fear. It will take the distortion and the confusion of this world and it will lead you on the right path. And so I thank God for this. I'd like to close with what was originally written as a prayer for illumination by George Matheson, who was a Scottish pastor in the 1800s. But let this be kind of our charge today. Divine Spirit, illumine me to the words of the Lord. Show me the wealth of glory that lies beneath the old familiar stories. Teach me the depths of meaning in the songs of Zion. Raise me to the height of aspiration that is reached by the wings of the prophet. Lift me to the summit of faith that is trod by the feet of the apostle. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your word. Amen. Thanks be to God.